So the first reading today is from Proverbs chapter 6, from verses 6 to 8. Um, if you brought your Bible along or a phone, now it's time to get it out um, and to open to that passage. That's Proverbs chapter 6, starting at verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, office or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. And the second reading today is from Ephesians chapter 5, from verse 15 to 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Thanks, Declan. Now, give me a sec while I set up. I promised last week I'd share some resources, some things that I found helpful with all of this. Now, you you can hear me out the back with this. Yep, a bit more. Put it up a bit higher. How's that? Better? I'll shout. Okay, here are some resources I found really, really helpful. Uh, the first is this book, Getting Things Done, by David Allen. Has anyone read this? Okay, it doesn't surprise me. It's kind of written at corporate management types. It's a bit dry and boring, but the tagline is really, really helpful. It gives you a really clear idea about what the book is about, the art of stress-free living, uh, stress-free productivity. So if you can relate to Jim, remember last week I was telling you about my friend Jim, the guy who's kind of freaked out by time, he feels overwhelmed, overburdened, like he's a breaking point. This book will really help you have some concrete structures put in place, a system that you regularly fall back on that you can rely on. So you get all this stuff out of your head and into this trusted system that you're regularly kind of tweaking and looking at so that you can live in the moment and be kind of stress-free. Should I just go back to this one? I'll do that. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. For Sorry, guys. No, no worries. Insight into public meetings. Um, <laughs> Let's pretend this is the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but I won't. No, no, no. Cool. Nice. That's the first book. This second book uh, by Matt Perman. This is a kind of Christian reflection on all that getting things done stuff. I think this is even better than getting things done. Not just because it's a theological reflection on the topic of time management, balancing your priorities but because he's really up to speed with the current literature on time management uh, in a way I think that David Allen even isn't. So this book I cannot recommend highly enough. It's super relevant for you guys and where you're at now. If you relate at all to my friend Jim, you must get this book. If you relate at all to anything like me and you struggle with procrastinating, this app will be your friend, especially if you're a Mac user. There are equivalent apps for this for PCs. I don't know what they are though. This one, though, is free. Uh, what you do is you download it, and then when you want to carve out some creative time where you're, you're working hard and you don't, want, you don't want to be distracted, you enter in a list of websites that you voluntarily block yourself out from, and you enter in the time that you want to be blocked out from, put in your password, you can't undo it. It's really, really good stuff. I use it regularly. For now, though, we're going to dive back into this topic of time management, using it well, using it wisely. Last week, remember, I was talking about time is a created reality like any other part of the world that God has made. It's good. It's inherently good. It's been corrupted because of sin and evil, but it's good. And our job in thinking about time is to think about it like any other aspect of the created world. It's, it's good. And our job is to cultivate time well because we are creatures made in the image of God, a gracious, gift-giving God who's given us this world to subdue, to rule, to be fruitful in 
And now what we saw last week, in light of the gospel, the bar's raised. It's quite urgent, really, in how we use our time. Uh, time is short. And also we know uh, Jesus' bar of kind of time management now is really all about love, that just like any other aspect of your life, the way you manage time, in the end, is an act of worship and love. You ought to love God and other people with your time well. What we're going to look at today is not so much that time is an act of love, but the way you manage your time requires wisdom. Wisdom. And to do that, we're going to look at the humble little ant. Uh, we'll come back to that. Proverbs 6, 6-8. to eight. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise without having any chief, officer, or ruler. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Be an ant. If you hear one thing today, be an ant, because the thing that ants do really, really well, they live in the moment. They know who they are. They know the difference between the seasons, between summer and harvest, and they respond appropriately. They take initiative. Be an ant. Last week, when we got the survey of what it looks like to be creative, it seems to me that ants are a very good model of what it looks like to cultivate time and go about time well. So today, what we're going to do is get a bit of a sweep of the Proverbs and how they speak about time and how to use it well by looking at the, pardon the pun, the antitype of the ant in the, in the form of the sluggard. Um, but let me just say, for those of you who feel swamped, like my friend Jim last week, or you feel confused about time and maybe a little frustrated with where we finished last week, that, yeah, it's all well and good to talk about managing your time as an act of love, but give me some concrete, nitty-gritty things. What does it look like when the rubber hits the road? What does it look like when I've got competing priorities that need to happen? Today, I'm hoping we'll give you a framework to think about how to use your time well. It seems to me wisdom is precious, uh, incredibly precious. It's, it's your treasure if you are to thrive as a Christian. That if you don't just want to survive as a Christian, but you want to thrive, then you need to make it your life goal to seek out wisdom from the scriptures, from the Christian community, uh, ultimately from the gospel. Because wisdom is different from knowledge. Knowledge will give you more and more information. Uh, you are here, really, you're accumulating knowledge, which is really helpful to help you for your life. You're learning lots about whatever the subject is. You're Welsh, like I learned when I was at uni, which has been not very helpful in my life. Uh, although I met someone here last week who's studying Welsh. Good on you. You're the only other person in my life I've met who's studying Welsh. Simon, I think it was. You're here to accumulate knowledge on the one hand. Wisdom is very different from knowledge. Wisdom really is about discerning what is the best path when I've got a number of different options before me. Knowledge, it seems to me, is very, very different. And it seems to me that many of us Christians go about life as if we've got a list of do's and don'ts from the Bible that inform how we're going to live. When in reality, the do's and don'ts in the Bible account for about 1% of the decisions you're going to have to make in your life. Think about it this way. Not many of us wake up in the morning and rack our brains thinking about the answer to this question. Is it a good idea today to binge watch Netflix and not work on that assignment that's due tomorrow? Is it a good idea to pray? Is it a good idea to go out and commit adultery? You don't rack your brains thinking about the answer to those questions because they're obvious, right? It's stupid to go out and commit adultery. It's stupid not to pray if you believe in a sovereign, good God. It's stupid to watch hour after hour of House of Cards when your assignment's due in five minutes. But how many of you have racked your brains about these kinds of questions? 
Should I take this ministry opportunity my staff worker has asked me to do? Should I work on my uni work today or see that friend who's just messaged me who sees really down in the dumps and needs some help? Should I enter into that relationship? Should I take this job? Should I go on that youth camp I've committed to or go to the family lunch that it is now clashing with? These kinds of questions require wisdom. There's no do and don't from the Bible that's going to help you. And these kinds of questions really are about time and how you manage it well. And they really come back to those four questions I spoke about last week. Who am I? Who is God? What does he expect from me? And where am I headed? And if you remember last week, I said your answer to those questions will show itself now in how you manage your time. And if you were to grow in faithfulness as a Christian, and if you're going to answer those questions well and in a way that reflects the scriptures, you need to going to grow in wisdom. So today, like I said, we're going to look at what the scriptures say about wisdom and using your time well. And we're going to start with the sluggard. He is everything the ant isn't. The ant is humble and wise, fruitful and productive. The sluggard is this tragic comedic figure who is laziness personified. Laziness given a name, the sluggard. And maybe you and I can relate to him at times. Maybe this morning you woke up, it's a cold, wet, dreary morning, and you've got a nice little groove in your bed that your body has formed, and you, just, you want to stay there and just wrap yourself in the doona where the world's safe and secure and everything's all right. You can relate to the sluggard. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. He's so mastered the art of sleeping in his bed. It's, he's such a good fit, like a door matches the hinges. Or maybe, like the sluggard, you've caught the dreaded FOMO. A sluggard's appetite is never filled but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. He's restless. He's, never, he's not living in the moment. He's always looking on the horizon. What's next? I'm not satisfied in life. I don't know if you've ever related to that. Maybe you're a sluggard. The sluggard, his laziness uh, and restlessness is to the point of utter r- ridiculousness. Coming up with excuses not to get about his job of using his time well. So he comes up with excuses, even like this. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. So he locks himself in his house, unable to go out because of this fantastical lion. Have a look at these ones. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. I love that. (laughs) The Proverbs are so good, right? You've got to read through them. Pick a theme and read through them and and let you have a good belly laugh as you read. They are so good. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. That is, he lives in a vacuum. He doesn't allow others to speak into his life, thinking about this issue of time management. He doesn't let people challenge him on how he's using it well. He lives in a vacuum. Like we saw last week, we looked at the corrupted nature of time. The sluggard is just living in the corrupted nature of time doesn't get on with the job of cultivating it well. So we read, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who was no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. The ant is everything the sluggard isn't. The ant lives in the moment. They know the difference between the seasons. They respond accordingly. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. 
without having any chief officer or ruler. She prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. Be an ant. Ants know how to live in the moment. We are to be like that. That's what I think wisdom looks like. To know who you are under God, as a creature made in his image. That's where you're different from an ant. To know what God expects of you and to know where you're headed and to live in the moment responding accordingly. And that seems to me wisdom personified. You need to grow in your wisdom. The New Testament picks up this language of uh, wisdom and reapplies it in light of the gospel. Paul will do this most clearly, I think, in Ephesians. And what I think he's doing here in Ephesians 5, if you've got your Bible, open it up to Ephesians 5. We're going to look at the verses around the ones that were read out. Ephesians 5 is rich in creation-y type language. And it seems to me all throughout the scriptures there's this overlap of themes between the wisdom literature like Proverbs and creation-type language. So think of Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8 speaks about wisdom is personified as the figure who created all things. So here in Ephesians 5, Paul is kind of riffing on this creation language and he says, verse 8, that you and I, if you're a Christian, you and I are no longer in the darkness but in the light. Three creation-type language, darkness, light. He says you're a child of the Lord and that you are to pursue fruitfulness, verses 10 and 11. If you remember last week, fruitfulness is a very creation-y type language that's kind of been reapplied now in light of the gospel. Jesus said, John 15, you are to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. In light of the gospel, we are to seek a life, not just of productivity, we're not just to be efficient robots, but fruit, fruit that will last. Ephesians 5 will go on to speak of marriage, much like Genesis will, between a man and a woman. And right there, right in the middle, the verses that were read out for us, Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, Paul will talk about how, as a matter of wisdom, you are to use your time well. Have a look, verse 15, with me. Be very careful, then, how you are to live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What Paul is saying here is that our understanding of time, again, is redefined in light of the gospel. That What that means is that the gospel has so highlighted the age we live in. It's reinforced the very corrupted nature of the time we live in. And at the same time, Jesus, in the gospel, has redeemed the time and redeemed you. So that you, if you're a Christian, it's reinforced, I'm not a child of the darkness, I'm a child of the light. I'm not made for this corrupted time. I'm made for the time of restoration that is coming. And the gospel reinforces this. What that means for you and I, at a really nitty-gritty level, is that we are to go about the business of redeeming the time now. Verse 16 literally means, where it reads verse 16, make the most of every opportunity, literally means redeem the time. Make good from the corrupted with the way you use your time. Redemption is a funny word. We don't use it all that often. Uh, but there will be things in your life that you are trying to redeem. So at the moment, uh, I'm redeeming an old rusty bike. I like to ride bikes. And it's been this project of mine for way too long. I'm a bit of a sluggard with this. I'm struggling to finish it. But I found this beautiful old fixed gear bike frame on eBay for two bucks. Picked it up. Cost more petrol money to go and get this thing. Anyway, blasted back all the rust, all the grotty old paint. And I'm redeeming it. Painted it this beautiful Iron Man red. 
you know that kind of ready orange that Iron Man's armor has? My, my hope is that my bike will look like Iron Man. It's got these beautiful silver retro drop bars, matching kind of red pedals. I want to get a matching red saddle. This thing's sweet. That's what redemption is. It's redeeming good from the corrupt. And Paul says here, in light of the gospel, you ought to see this corrupt time, this evil time you live in, as an opportunity for you to redeem good from it. Redeem good. One concrete way you can do this is to so know the moment you live in as a uni student, a Christian uni student here at Sydney Uni, that you suck the marrow out of the EU. Do 